Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church at Home. You know, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can download today's message notes. You can download the kids' activity sheet. You can also keep updated on services and events, anything updated uh, at our website as well. You know, this summer we've been in the Sermon on, <clears throat> excuse me, the Sermon on the Mount uh, on our Sunday mornings, Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. I would so encourage you, that would be something important to read every single day, the Sermon on the Mount. Probably uh, the message that Jesus spoke that had the largest attendance, that he was not only speaking to his disciples, he was speaking to crowds of people. But I want you to remember this in our message today. Jesus raises the standards through his teaching. We'll look at some of those uh, verses today. So my title today is going to come out of the verse that we read, but it's Do Not Think. Do Not Think. You know, this good news, the gospel, is the greatest message ever spoken. So when you read these words, this is the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, Jesus's words. You know, and I mentioned this this last week. Think about Jesus's kingdom. In fact, Jesus talks about those that enter heaven or his kingdom. They're going to have to go through a very narrow gate. It's a difficult way. There's another way that you can go. It leads to destruction. The gate's wide. It's easy to go into. But his gate is narrow. It's hard. Yet, at the end, there's life. Jesus talks about that this gospel, those that carry it, there's not enough people working it. There's not enough laborers. We're to pray for workers. But he's entrusted the gospel message to the believers, to those that would pick it up, carry it, and go. And as we see in the book of Acts, the message of the gospel increases in might and power. In fact, we know this, in the preaching of the gospel, there should always be signs and demonstrations of what God is doing. So the verse we want to pick up today is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Now, as we read these words, would you remember God's word in Isaiah 55? In fact, verses 8 and 9, he talks about and he says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So we've got to get our thoughts, our thinking, our ways, and raise the standard in line with him. In fact, we read these words from Jesus, Matthew chapter 5. 17 through 20. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. Here we go. Do not think. So don't let a thought for a moment come into your mind that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot, not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law until all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. 
but whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. In fact, I like how the New Century Version states it. Not even the smallest letter or the smallest part of the letter will be lost until everything has happened. So Jesus's promise is this. This gospel message, this gospel of the kingdom that he's bringing, number one, he's not ripping up, destroying, or throwing away the Old Testament, what we would call the law and the prophets. In fact, he's done more. He's fulfilling it. You know, if you research this a little bit, you'll find out that Jesus fulfilled somewhere between 300 and 330 Old Testament prophetic words about him. In fact, a lot of times we read in the book of Revelations or what we were reposting here this summer of a series we did last summer, and a lot of the, that's prophecy to come. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies with coming and living among us for three and a half years. So he says these words that I think are so important for us to hear today. He says, I didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. In fact, remember this, that word destroy, the actual Greek word is, I didn't come to demolish and I didn't come to overthrow it. Jesus wasn't coming to say, get rid of everything. He says, no, I'm fulfilling all of the law and the prophets. Actually, that word fulfill is to complete it or to fill to the top, to fill to the top. You know, you can read back. In fact, um, um, we won't take time to look at the verses, but you can read back and you can see that right in the in the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, 15, um, God says, and he mentions her seed, and in fact, it's capitalized to represent Jesus. In fact, it's mentioned that her seed would crush the head of the serpent. We know that Moses prophesied about it. Jesus refers to that, that Moses even spoke of him. But Jesus upholds everything down to the smallest of parts. He never failed in honoring his father and his mother. He never murdered. He never lied. He never cheated anybody. He never stole. He never lusted. He didn't desire or covet something sinfully. He never used what happened back in those days, false weights, false measures. He never even did unjust work as a carpenter. You see, here's what's important to know about that. If he failed, you and I are doomed. He never failed. In fact, we know what's interesting about when he says that um, he is not destroying the law, but fulfilling it. When we read about the law, in fact, it's important to know it's the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It's referred to as the Pentateuch. We know that in Exodus chapter 20 are the 10 commandments that were given from God to Moses, to the people. But it's interesting when you first read about that God references 
that he is the God that brought you out of Egypt, out of bondage. He also references early on that he's the one that shows mercy to thousands who love me and keep my commandments. Think about that. Freedom from bondage and mercy from God early on in the law. Now, what's interesting is these Jewish leaders that Jesus even is going to reference and Jesus is going to have to come against because they're always after him in that short window of his life and ministry is they, about the third century, came up with 613 requirements of the law. Isn't that just like people that there's a law, but then they come up with so many other things for those laws. In fact, I'll give you a, a quick one. Is In Leviticus chapter 19, it talked about when it was harvest time on your land, you would leave some corners. And even if you had a vineyard, you would leave some of the grapes. That allowed the poor and that allowed the stranger to collect. And that was a promise that God had had. In fact, we read about that in the story of Ruth, that Ruth would come in after a harvest time and be able to glean. What's interesting with these religious leaders, they were destroying God's law by adding rules, adding regulations, adding all these traditions. But really what unnerved Jesus was they were living a superficial false faith. They never allowed God's law to penetrate and to change their hearts. You see, Jesus himself, preached from the Old Testament. Jesus himself referenced things. In fact, we know that the um, Holy Spirit was active right away in Genesis chapter 1, verse 5. The Apostle Paul says these words in the book of Romans for us, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might find hope written for our learning and through patience and comfort that we might find hope. That verse I mentioned to you in just, just a moment ago, Jesus said those words in John 5, verse 46 through 47. If you believe Moses, you would believe me for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? You know, I think it's important to remember that we don't do away with the Old Testament. We look at the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled it. It was written for our benefit. The different characters all the way from Genesis to Malachi are people that were following God, made mistakes. It was written to show us people in the Bible that hungered for God. Uh, Hebrews 11, the hall of faith of people, lists people that are also in the Old Testament. We know when we read these things, what's so important for us to, to recognize is that Jesus raises the standard. In fact, I'll give you an example. One of the laws, one of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20:14 is you shall not commit adultery. Okay? You shall not commit adultery. Here's how Jesus raises the standard. Jesus says in Matthew 5:28. But I say to you, whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his 
heart. So the law was the act. Jesus raises the standard that says, if you've looked and had lust, you've committed it in your heart. See, it's all about the heart with Jesus. It's all about the law was all about the outside. Jesus raised the standard. It's all about the heart. I'll give you another one. Now, uh, this can be applicable in our day. The Exodus chapter 21, in fact, this will be familiar to a lot of people, even if you've never read this verse before, verse 23 through 25. But if any, if any harm follows, then you shall give a life for a life, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand, uh, burn for a burn, wound for a wound, stripe for a stripe. Many of us have heard that, whether it's been in movies or people, uh, hey, eye for an eye. Tooth for a tooth, hand for a hand. In fact, that was back in the law, right? I'll, I, I'll still never forget that uh, in between a missions trip to Sri Lanka and India, we had to stop. We had a long layover in Dubai. Um, the pastor that I traveled with had family that lived there, and the family actually gave us a really quick tour. We actually went in one of their malls. And it may be familiar to some of you. It's the mall that has the ice rink. It's the mall that has the huge aquarium. Like it's crazy. Well, there's a there was a store in there, Sephora, which is pretty much found in all of our malls here in the United States. And it's uh, women's cosmetics. Now, when I would follow in Arcadia, the police um, Twitter, there was always thefts every day at Sephora at the mall, people walking out with things. Well, this Sephora in the mall in, in Dubai, think of it as the exterior size of like a, a, a smaller Walmart, except there's no doors. Everything is wide open. People are streaming in, people are streaming out. And that thought came into me, hey, back in, back in Arcadia, you know, there's thefts every day. So I, I had asked the gentleman giving us the tour um, so back at home, people are stealing every day and there's so many people coming in and out of this one. Are there any thefts? He says, there's no thefts. And he raises up his hand and he does that motion of you get your hand chopped off if you're caught stealing. Right. Wow. So the, the law, old Testament, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus says these words in Matthew 5, 38 through 40. Remember Jesus's words. You have heard it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I tell you not to resist the evil person. Whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, let him have your coat as well. Think about that. Jesus is talking about turning a cheek, giving up your, your cloak. Now, Jesus was slapped, we read a couple times. One time it was an officer that struck Jesus. In fact, Jesus's words in John 18 were, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of that evil. But if well, why do you strike me? One of the things that Jesus is talking about of raising the standards is in being persecuted for righteousness sake. He's not saying don't defend your family. If they slap your wife, tell, tell your, turn the other cheek, get slapped back. That's not what he's talking about. He was slapped himself. If I bore false witness, let me know. 
If not, why did you strike me? And then later when they were uh, mocking him, yelling um, king of the Jews, they struck him with his hand. You know, the Bible gives us the example that when David would lead worship or play, Saul would get so incensed and throw a spear at him. And yet David had two opportunities to take Saul's life. Yet he never did. He never took his life. He leaned back on this promise that he'd not heard of because the Old Testament law was, hey, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus raises the standard. We're not going to be persecuted, right? It's being persecuted for righteousness sake. And God is saying this. We're not to plan acts of revenge. God is the avenger. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves but and do not give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. You know, we need to remember to have more faith in God to fight our battles than we think we have in ourselves. And it's interesting Almost every movie, the story is about somebody avenging the wrong of somebody else. And it really had nothing to do about the gospel or righteousness sake. It was avenging. And God, remind, God reminds us that he is the avenger. You know, it's interesting because when Jesus talks about not to live like the Pharisees and Sadducees, he calls them out and he calls them hypocrites. He calls them blind guides. You see, because Jesus has a standard. And it's not the what I need to do as much as it is how I live and how I conduct myself that I surrender my life first to follow him because I'm living this life as a servant to him. The religious leaders were quick to rebuke Jesus when he ate with sinners. Yet, they were the worst sinners of all. God requires mercy on our behalf. You know, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the Apostle Paul really gives us that insight of how to live. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer... I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know Jesus thought it was worth it all to empty himself of no reputation? And he took the bet and humbled himself so that you could have life. He took the opportunity that you would have an opportunity to hear the gospel and receive him. In fact, it's a very powerful statement that the Apostle Paul says. He identifies with the crucified Jesus. It's no longer I that live. I've crucified that part. Christ, the resurrected Lord, lives in me. And now this life that I live in this flesh that I have to battle day upon day, I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me 
and gave himself for me. In fact, Peter says this, and I love it out of the New Century Version. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Live as servants of God. You know, we're blessed that we live in the United States, that we are free to do things. And we've noticed, we watch in our days, and we've known in the past that people choose freedom, but like like it's mentioned here, as an excuse to do evil. Live as free people, free in Christ Jesus. But don't use the freedom as an excuse to do evil. Live your life as a servant of God. Remember this, Jesus raised the standards. Jesus looks into the heart. Live as somebody who's free in Christ, who's not under bondage, who's not under guilt, who's walking in the forgiveness and mercy of God, who knows that this life that we follow Jesus is not the easy path, the easy road, but it's the most fulfilling road. In fact, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, it is step number one. Step one on giving your life to him and now following him as a servant with your life. If you've never prayed that prayer to follow him as Savior and Lord, would you pray this prayer with me? Dear Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart. I say sorry for my sin and I choose to follow you and to make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that for the first time, I so encourage you to tell somebody. Um, the other thing that you can do is reach out to us on the social media platform that you're viewing. Reach out to us. Go to our website to make contact. Reach out to somebody right now. Tell somebody. But now starts that the steps in the road because now you're serving the Lord Jesus with all of your heart and with all of your life. Follow him. Tell somebody. Reach out to somebody even right now. As we receive our tithes and our offering today, I want to just read this one small verse out of Job. And Job says these words. Think about this in our giving. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. Your beginning was small. You know, I was thinking back with this verse when we first started the food ministry at our church. And that first time, not really many people knew about it. It was a great opportunity to uh, understand how that we did things. And it went from something small to something uh, very large and reaching a lot of people. So we always need to remember there's nothing wrong with the small beginning because the Bible promises that the latter end would increase abundantly. Would you remember that in your giving as you're faithful, as you're tithing and you're giving op- offering and you're using um, the blessings that the Lord has given upon you to increase? Remember, he wants to increase you more and more. So pray this prayer if you would. In fact, I encourage you, and I say this every Sunday when we say this in, uh, in our church service, pray it as if you're the only one praying it. Say these words with me. As I give in today's offering, let me not despise the day 
of small beginnings. Everything begins with the seed, yet it grows and reproduces many times. As my seed is planted today, I believe it will grow, serve you, and it will multiply. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can give online. It is safe, fast, and it is secure. You can also go to our website um, to see that. You can also get our P.O. box on our website, or you can write to us at the Hills Church P.O. box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. And if you need prayer, in fact, you can do this anytime. Would you email us? We have people that are willing and helpful to begin to pray. Allow us to pray with you. If you need prayer, reach out to us at prayer at hillschurcharcadia.org. Go to our website. Keep up on the latest activities event, our free food ministry that will be coming up this next Saturday. You can find all that information on our website. But Psalm 121, 1 and 2 says, I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? Your help, my help, comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. The Lord bless you. You have a great day, and we are praying for you this week. God bless you.